You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Woo-hoo! Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, listeners. Welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast for you. We got a great one tonight, folks. We have a fantastic one. We have Interview with a Vampire Season One. That's right. We are doing a review of the Anne Rice book no not the book but the tv show that they did <laughs> and it's interesting how they evolved it how they changed it from the book and from even the movie that we saw almost over 20 years ago and it's interesting to see this taking of it and this tale of it and did it work did it not we're here to find out, and we've got a great crew to talk all about it. Of course, my co-host for this night, he doesn't suck. It's Mike Gordon. Howdy. So it's awesome. And, you know, I don't know. Have you been around for over 100 years, Mr. Gordon? Sometimes it feels like it. Uh, okay. Certainly, you know, the last uh, three years have felt like 50. So. No. <laughs> so I totally understand that. You know, the last three years were the best decade of my life as i like to say so it's a good thing <laughs> so it's it's awesome and we got a great guest to join us tonight of course let's welcome of course deanna's here tonight welcome to the show hey there you want to tell everyone doing? a little bit about yourself since this is the first time on our show sure yeah um i'm dina i uh avid geek and my husband and i have a youtube channel called drunk and blurdy with Nixon Quat, where we drink, get drunk, and talk about geek stuff and things in our lives. That's pretty darn awesome. And we'll have a link to that, of course, in our show notes so that people can find you and everything. And Thank welcome you. aboard. And we also have Hanico. Welcome to the show. Oh, hello. You want to tell everyone about yourself? Sure. My name is Hanako, and I am the creator and host of the Phantom Hybrid Podcast. And it's just some friends of mine and I, we get together and we recap and review various TV shows and films, uh, mostly in the fantasy genre. We also do uh, a lot of panel work at local conventions such as Dragon Con and Conjuration. So we talk about those fan uh, conventions as well. Awesome. 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 Well, welcome aboard. Thank I think you. you guys both saw, you know, through the American sci-fi track mm -hmm. uh, webpage and we put out a thing, a call for guests and we're so very happy that you guys responded to us tonight Thank and everything. It's going to be a ton of fun. And we definitely would love to hear from you guys at home. Please write us feedback at earthstation1.com. Let us know what you guys thought about the series. Did you like it? Did you not? I know the ratings were great for this first season. So somebody must have been watching it. And it was interesting to see the retelling of the stories and such. So it'll be fun to talk about tonight. So we definitely would love to hear from you guys. 
Also, if you get a chance, folks, as we always love to say, please subscribe to us up on your favorite podcast player, or if you're watching us up on YouTube, thank you so much as always, and please like and subscribe. You know, it's the best way for people to find out about us if you get a chance. You know, we're fairly new up on YouTube, and, you know, you can tell by the shine on both my face and Mike Gordon's, so it's a good thing, and definitely would love to hear from you guys at home. Also, if you get a chance, you know, if you get a chance, please check out our, of course, our Patreon. Our Patreon is how we get our money on the show. It's how we, you know, get our funds and how we give you bonus material for a way of saying thank you for subscribing to us up there and supporting the ESO Network, which is a show of network shows of over tw- almost 25 shows now. And we also have, you know, different podcasts that post stuff up there. Our station DCU does their classics and we also have Board Silly, which is coming back this month after taking the month of December off. And we also have, you know, Earth Station One, Earth Station Who. And yes, folks, the Dragon Con report is coming back this in just two weeks. That's right, folks. In two weeks, we're getting a new episode of the Dragon Con report. I know it's only January and it's not almost time to start screaming and yelling that Dragon Con is right around the corner. But folks. Dragon Con is right around the corner. So you better get <laughs> It'll excited. It'll be here before it. you know it. It will. So if you get, you know, become a subscriber to the ESO Patreon, you get those shows early and you get to hear it earlier than the, the general public and such. So, you know, why not help and subscribe? All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO Network. Check it out, folks. Also, let's say hey to our friends over at Tifosi Optical. Tifosi Optical is a sunglass company for all seasons. That's right, folks. It's the middle of winter, but it's bright outside when it's even when you're in the snow or even if you're in the rain, the glare uh, and also, you know, the sun breaking through the clouds. You need to have sunglasses and Tifosi Optical is awesome. You can custom make your lenses. You can custom make your frames to whatever color you want. And if you have a prescription, just like I do, you could actually get your prescription into your sunglasses. They will do that for you folks. And as a way of saying thank you, if you put an Earth Station One into the coupon code, you get 10% off your whole order, not just one pair of glasses, not just even if they have sales, off your whole order. It's pretty darn awesome. Go to defosioptics.com and tell them Earth Station One sent you. I offer for your journalistic pleasures my life story. So, how long have you been dead? The year was 1910. My business was desire. Let me introduce you to Mr. Lestat de Leoncourt. I know who you are, sir. We're destined to be very good friends. I'm assuming you only met at night. It's New Orleans. Days are for sleeping off the previous evening's damage. That's your thing, then? You like to watch? I've been watching you for some time now. I can swap this life of shame. Swap it out for a dog gift. Let the tale seduce you. Just as I was seduced. There was a boy. He was my murderer, my mentor, my lover, and my maker. A very strange enchanted boy. It was as if I could finally receive the secrets of existence. Your eyes. I could search window. I was not yet ready to hunt, but desperate to feed. It's best to let the food come to you. You're not welcome in this home. This is how it has to be. 
I don't want to kill people. You're a vampire. I could not save myself, but I could save her. She'll be what? A daughter. We're a family. She is poisoning you against me. You two have each other. Who am I supposed to love? This is not a life. You took my life. We'll be together ten thousand nights, a hundred thousand. Ready to begin the adventure of our lives, my companions in immortality. All right, Mr. Mike, are you ready to talk about some vampires? Blah, I am. It, you know, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago. In October of 2021, we did an episode where we spotlighted, we honored the 45th anniversary of the novel Interview with the Vampire. And in I that think one, that we was talked, over, we were at Monsterama for that one. We were at Monsterama. We did a panel there and we recorded that panel. And, uh, I had re, I had reread the book, which I had read when I was, a let's just say a lot younger. And, uh, um, not right when it came out, but uh, within a few years. Um, but, uh, um, and it was an important book to me. I, I loved the book and I had reread it, uh, for that, uh, for that review that we did that panel. Um, we also talked about the 94 movie a little bit. And at that time, since the movie had come out with Tom Cruise, there had been some rumblings here and there that we were going to get a remake, that something was going to happen. And then, unfortunately, we lost Anne Rice, I think, uh, shortly, like, after, like, two, sometime in 2000, like, in the last couple of years, right? December. So, yeah. Yes, December. Thank you. So we weren't sure exactly what was going to happen with the property or whatever. And then, boom, May 2020, AMC announces that uh, they've got rights to, like, the whole thing, like all the vampire books, all the witches books, like the, they're going to create like an Anne Rice universe. Um, and, and the first thing that's going to come out is going to be a series, uh, interview with the vampire. Uh, so it's the first time it's going to be a TV series and it's going to be on AMC. And, uh, it, it, well, Dina, we'll start with you. What was your thoughts about what's your, first of all, your history with the book and the property, but what were your thoughts about it finally coming to TV? Um, so I read, um, at, by the beginning of the series, I'd read, um, some years ago, uh, interview with Vampire Lestat and Queen of the Damned a couple of times. And, um, I was like, finally, because like we had one movie and it was just like, that's it guys. That's what we're getting is this all one right. movie. Well, we did get Queen more. of the Damned. We did get Queen well, of the yeah, Damned. Well, yeah, but see, the okay. Yeah. So we only count Queen of the Damned for the soundtrack. Nope. We don't, <laughs> we don't, the rest of it, we don't. <laughs> I don't remember okay. Stuart. I don't remember exactly. Stuart Townsend as Lassette. Nope, nope, nope. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Nope, never happened. Mm-hmm. Like a whole re- they, they, yeah, they, nope. Just the music. The music <laughs> okay. Okay. is fire. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, I, but having a TV show, obviously, you know, you can kind of spread it out a little more than with the movie. So I was definitely with the, her books are, are, you know, so thick. So having, I was just really excited about that. And, um, just finally, and I, I thought, okay, is it really coming, or are we going to be sitting here for a few more years? And then they say it didn't work out, you know, because that happened before, like early on, like what in the early two thousands there was supposed to be something, and it was nothing. Oh yeah. And, um. So I was been, I was, oh yeah, <laughs> very excited. <laughs> Especially with what 
the landscape of television now. Like 20 years ago, it would have been like, oh, well, maybe they can do it. I'm not sure. But with everything that's going on now on TV, streaming services, whatnot, certainly AMC's uh, success with uh, Breaking Bad and Walking Dead means that like they're probably going to do this show, like take it seriously. Right. 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 So, uh, what about you? What about, uh, what were your thoughts when you heard the news? So I have a little bit of a different perspective because I have not read the books. I have, oh, interesting. All, I have all of Anne Rice's books sitting on my bookshelf, but you know, as <laughs> avid book readers, we always have that huge to be read pile that we just I, never seem to get to. Yes, I don't know what yes, you're talking about. Yes. I have no yeah, idea what you're no. talking about. I have no, 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 no idea. So, um, so I'm looking at it just from a media standpoint. Um, okay. I watched the 94 film. God, it sounds so weird to say 94. Yeah, like, that's like that's 28 years, 30 ago. years ago. Wow. Yeah. But, um, I remember watching the film back then and I loved the film, loved, um, you know, some of the casting and the acting, but I always felt like there was something missing from the story. And of course, knowing that this came from a book property, Okay, what's the one thing we always complain about? They always leave something out. Mm -hmm. And so once I heard that they were going to do a TV series, I was like, okay, maybe they can do the proper treatment for this book. Because even though I had not read the book, I'm familiar enough with it to know that there were a lot of people who were like, okay, yeah, the movie was good, but it was missing this, it was missing that. So I wanted to see how they were going to do it differently when they brought it to the TV screens and then knowing the AMC was going to be the ones to bring it to light. I was like, okay, I feel good about this because uh-huh. as you mentioned, they did a great job with the walking dead and I'm a huge walking dead fan. So I was like, okay, nice. if they have it, I feel like they're going to do it right. And um, I got to say, I was not disappointed at all. Like I could not really find anything to complain about with the way that they, with, with the treatment that they gave it. It mm-hmm. was phenomenal from the casting to the story and just it. I loved it. Now, are, are both of you fans of horror, gothic horror, romantic horror? Any kind of like, is is, is that like usually your jam? Yes and no. Uh, horror. <laughs> so, I'm, it, it's a little strange for me because there was a period of time, like especially in my 30s, where I really couldn't get into horror. Like I'm, I'm one of those people. I have a very vivid imagination. So things that I read or things that I watch, they stay with me for a long time. So mm-hmm. for a period of about 10, maybe 15 years, I couldn't really do horror as much. Mm-hmm. Um, I could do like some of the vampire stuff, but not so much horror horror. And then The Walking Dead kind of changed that for me and it kind of got me back into it. So I'm slowly getting back into it. I do love gothic horror. I do love, you know, the romanticized stuff. Um, but like true horror, like I still can't really do sm- slasher movies. Okay. It just, yeah. they seem very corny to me in a lot of ways. And then stories that have a basis in reality, I tend to stay away from those as well because I'm like, yeah, if this happened in real life already, I don't want to know. So, but yeah, va- <laughs> vampires, werewolves, those types of things. Yes, I, I would do those all day long. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely, definitely into um, a lot of urban fantasy, um, like horror stuff. Um, I, Vampires have always been my jam. That's always been the thing that I've focused on the most. But I love 
horror from way back. Now, I don't watch horror as much because it just all seems like it's that saw, um, hostile, like torture porn stuff. And I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really like that as much because to me that, that just puts this vibe out where people just want to try stuff. And it's just like, no, that's, I don't, I don't dig that. So, but just, um, just typical horror, like especially with vampires, anything with a vampire in it, I'm, I'm in. You know, I'm ready. I, um, I, I, I see you. <laughs> yeah. That's also how. That's one of the ways that Dina and I became friends because right around the time when we started um, getting to know each other, like we met each other through an Atlanta Harry Potter group locally. But okay. Twilight and True Blood kind of also solidified <laughs> oh, yeah. our friendship. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Mike, what about you? What, uh, what were you, because I know what your thoughts are on the original novel. Um, and I know you don't put the movie that high on your list, but, uh, but what did you feel like was going to happen with this series? It's interesting. I was optically, you know, optimistic with it because, a lot of times, you know, when they do the remakes and such, especially after seeing the movie and the other movies they did after it, I was like, oh, what are they going to do? Are they going to ruin it or what are they going to do? But when I started seeing the casting for this, I was very optimistic. I was like, oh, these are really interesting choices. I liked the actor they had chosen as Louis. I loved Jacob him. Anderson. Yeah, he was amazing. He um he was great in Game of Thrones and then he was also wonderful in Doctor Who. Those are the only two things I've seen him in. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed his performances. So and I loved that they were doing a kind of slightly different take on it because they moved the timeline up a little bit because originally in the books, it was in the 1800s and they moved it into the early 1900s instead. And I liked the idea of him being a pimp and, or being a a owner of a house of ill repute as, (laughs) as 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 you you say in New Orleans. Exactly. And it was interesting. And then when I saw who they had cast as Lestat, I was like all in and everything and I was in with both feet and I was going to say, okay, I'm in for this. And I like who they brought in. I like they brought in Eric as the interviewee, you know, the Mm -hmm. interviewer. And it almost seemed like this was starting to come together in a really good fashion. And I think the people who were behind it, were knowing the original material and actually caring about the story instead of just putting out schlock. And AMC, like you guys had said, has put out very quality things. Walking Dead, I think, you know, I think outlived itself with what it, you know, what it needed to be and everything. But then you also had Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul you got some really good storytelling off of this. And Prior to that, they had success with Mad Men too. So Yeah, well, exactly. They, they exactly. produced some really good shows. Exactly. So I had faith in it and was not disappointed at all. You know, I have some qu- quirms on it, but we'll get into that. 
that's part of the sure. fun of these 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 shows because you get that sure. stuff. It's kind of cool with that kind of thing. It's pretty awesome when it comes to that. Yeah, uh, like you guys, I, I you know I didn't have a problem with it being on AMC at all. Um, I love the book so much, but I'm not really defensive about it. And I think one of the things that made me you know has made me such is a I'm getting older, and b that uh, I'd seen the movie, and the movie was not. I didn't think that the movie was that bad. In fact, I uh, agree uh, that I thought uh, with Dina that I thought the movie surprised me as how good it was um, in terms of it had to cut out a lot because obviously it's a two-hour movie and it's a you know as you said big thick book full of a rich environment that world that she creates that i mean when interview with the vampire was written when interview with the vampire sorry was written it was not meant to be i think it was just meant to be standalone but yes. you know obviously that and then queen of the damned and then you know book after book after book but but when you read interview with the vampire at least when i reread it a couple of years ago i was amazed at how much of the world building started with this book i mean there's a lot that goes on when uh, you know certainly uh in the first part of the book which the series the first season the the first season of the the series covers um but uh the second it's going to be really interesting to see how they go forward but yes they do make changes and of course every Every, uh, you know, thing that's adapted is going to make some changes based on the showrunner and the, the creative people involved. I had no history with Rollin Jones as a showrunner, producer, creator at all. So I had no idea what to expect from that perspective. But like Mike said, I like Jacob Anderson. When I, when he, when I heard he was cast, I, I liked him in Game of Thrones. I liked him in, in Doctor Who Flux. Uh, so I knew he could do it. I knew he could perform as Louis and Louis has been one of my favorite characters because as I said, the book is, and I think in the book series, Louis kind of gotten the short shaft because like in the second book, Lestat, Lestat becomes like the star of the book series and spoilers. If you haven't read the book yet. And of course (laughs) the, uh, the casting of uh, Lestat is, is important too. I wasn't familiar with Sam Reed. I think I'd seen him in a couple things, but I don't think he'd made any impact for me. So I didn't know what to expect going into this. And my God, was he just, he brought that character to life in a way I didn't think was possible. Um, so, and of, of course the series, the, this first series, Interview with the Vampire, is really uh, based around their their friendship, their relationship, Um and uh, and it becomes a, you know, uh, a three part relationship towards the end. But right in the beginning, you, if you're not sold on their relationship, this show doesn't work at all. I don't care what else they do. Um, Dina, let's go back to you. What is something that you really liked about the show in that first season? Um, I think one of the biggest things that I love is because she did write the way she did an interview and then she kind of retconned a lot of stuff and, and vampire looks bad. <laughs> um, I think they did a good job of um, making Louis unreliable narrator a thing. And like also um, Lestat from Louis perspective was poor and he was using him and it was all these things. But in this show, he's showing that, no, I have money. I have all this money that he talks about from vampire Lestat and I'm living this, this, you know, f- fashionable life and everything. So I like that they kind of flipped the script on that because it's like when you read everything that Louis has to say about him and then you see him in this show, you're like, wait a minute. This is nothing like the book. But if you've re- read Vampire Lestat, then you know 
that these are the things they've, they, they've taken these things from that book and kind of put it in interview. And I kind of like that they did that. Yeah, absolutely. Because when you read both of those books, you get both of their perspectives. Um, because if I'm not mistaken, it's been a while since I've read Lestat, but it's, if I'm not mistaken, he does an interview as well, right? And he kind of right. set the record straight of exactly. what actually his point of view happened. So this series is not just an adaptation of that first book. It's taking into account the things that we learned about Lestat's point of view. Um, although I'd say Louis is still pretty much the main character in, in this show, at least, uh, to start with, I think, in right, this, yeah. in this series. Yeah. I mean, obviously he's the one being interviewed, right? Right. So, um, uh, Hank, what, what about you? What, uh, what, um, what did you like about the first season? Cause you didn't have anything to compare it to, right? Nothing except for the first movie. Okay. So, right. Or yeah, the movie, but, um, I think one of the things that really stood out for me was Jacob Anderson's portrayal of Louie because as much as I love Brad Pitt and I did love his version of Louie, one of the things that bothered me about that portrayal is you have Louie as this really tortured soul, but you really have no background as to why he is this way. And it just, like I said, it always felt like something was missing to me when I watched the movie, but in this show, you get to see more of his uh, familial background, which I understand they do talk about in the books. And of course, they didn't really touch on that in the movie, but you get to see his relationship with his mother, his brother, his sister, and how close of a bond he had with them. And then when things start falling apart, and he gets turned by Lestat, it's like you get to see things from his perspective in a very unique way, because as he's telling this interview, he's telling you how Lestat seduced him. But at the same time, it's it's kind of like he's, it's almost like he's contradicting himself because he's talking about how much he was so into Lestat and how Lestat was his everything. But you see throughout the course of the show, he never really tells Lestat this. So mm-hmm. it was just an interesting dynamic with his character as far as like this person who was so in love with this with this being and so tortured that he gave up his humanity, his mortality to be with this man. And then to always kind of keep Lestat dangling with the yeah. I, I love you. I, you're my everything. And he's just kind of like, oh, OK, it was that whole portrayal, his torturedness. Um, I've said it. From the moment I saw it in the trailer, that scene in the confessional, he needs to win an award for that because Mm. it was so powerful. Like I was shaking watching that scene just with how raw his anguish was and how tortured he was. And it was just basically like, kill me now. I don't want to be tortured by this man. But then at the same time, when he walks in the room, you can't help but be mesmerized by him and fall into his traps. So Louis' whole, his whole dynamic through the whole show just kind of captivated me because it's like, you know, he loves Lestat and he hates Lestat as well. And that was just interesting. That was just a really interesting thing to see him fight with himself on. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I I just wanted to hit on that, what she was saying. So the the reason why it's hard to kind of pinpoint how Louis feeling in the movie is because they literally have a throwaway line where they say that he lost his wife and child. And then they just kind of like ignore the rest of it. Right. That's not in 
that's not the story. Right. So you just kind of like, oh, okay, move on. And you don't even think about that and, and why he's so depressed and whatever versus him actually having, like you said, familial relationships and things going awry and all that stuff. So that's probably why you were like, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Well, it was interesting too, because he came across as a true abused victim in this. And, you know, you, you know, cause he was, he was literally dropped from thousands of feet oh, up God. and it was, you know, and then, you know, but he still loved the man for, and, you know, basically he kept on coming back to Lestat and, you know, and it was just interesting to see that portrayal of him and it, it was so well done and everything. And the torture he went through with his brother before he got turned and how his brother was touched, as they said. And it was, it was so interesting to see. And in the books, they did go on into the family a little bit, but nothing to the detail that the show went into. They touched on it more and he kept in touch with the family even longer than he did in the books and everything. And you guys hit it right on the head when you said, you know, that this was all from, um, this is all from Louis's point of view. This is all Louis, you know, and from his talking about it. But what I got out of watching this, this TV show almost felt like it was a sequel to the original movie. It felt that it did feel that way. Yeah. That, you know, that he's, he's come back to the same interviewer <laughs> that he talked to back oh, in, right. in the eighties yeah. or early nineties. And, you know, that, you know, Hey, these are the, t he said, these were the cassettes that you recorded me on. Now I'm going to give you the full story type thing. Right. Right. This is not, yeah. The original interview was something that either you read in the book or whatever. But it's but we're doing a new interview now. Exactly. This is the full thing. This is everything. This yeah. is I'm more together. My head is in the right place for me to tell you all this stuff. What I told you before was an angstful story and everything. And that's what we got from in Louis in the movie. So it almost felt like that. And yeah, also I think there was a, also a moment where they mention regarding the first interview years ago that there was some kind of incident that happened between them, mm -hmm. which stopped the interview and kind of put them on their separate paths. And that made me think about the end of the film where he actually bites Daniel, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. He doesn't yeah, in he the does. film, yeah. but um, in the, he, he like jacks him up and yeah. like scares <laughs> him. Okay. And he thinks he's going to get like bitten and he's just like, <gasps> panics and then but, he runs out but i think in the books he does get bit he, right? he, does, he does get turned and then yeah. he but it, it shows he shows the scar that he got bit right. in mm -hmm. the show and yeah. and it, it it was really really well done and i thought that part was okay so this is like this is the true story now you're hearing this and i enjoyed that part the part, and you might crucify me at home, or you guys might crucify me now. Claudia, um, 
I loved it in the movie or in the books where she was a child and, and she got turned as a child here. She's 15 or 14 or 15. And I didn't, I didn't believe it as much because, and they handled it. I liked it, you know, you know, that she just looked young for her age and stuff. And there are people in their early twenties who still look like they're, you know, 13 or 14, but and it's, so that was believable, but I love the tortures that she was going through in the book and in the movie being the little kid with an adult soul and that she could never, no matter what she did, she cut her hair or she, you know, tried, you know, putting makeup on. She was still a five or six year old who, you know, was a 30 year old or 40 year old inside that little body. And that must have been hell for her. And it was more believable. And that also made it more believable why she went insane or right. you know, became so hateful against. Yeah. Um, I'm going to address this too. Cause I totally disagree. I think uh, that, uh, that I'm glad they upped her age in the series because um, Claudia in the books, I think the movie did it really well. And then the book, I think Anne Rice did it really well. But it was kind of like one note, like she's trapped in a young girl's body that's driving her insane in the book. Spoiler, she dies. Um, and uh, and that's it. And we move on. You know, and it's a, it's she's used as a tool, as a prop, as a as a weapon between the two of them in the book. Yeah. And this this series allows her to become her own character. And I I desperately hope she survives the second season because I think there's, uh, I think this character is a lot more interesting. I mean, the, the, the kid trapped in a, the, the vampire trapped in a kid's body. We've now seen with like the let me in or let the right one in movies. And, and it's been done. It's been done now. I mean, Anne Rice might've like really like opened that door, but I think it's been played around with so much now that, I don't think there's anything new to add to it. Whereas this Claudia, I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm very much in, interested in her that way. Uh, yeah. So that that's my take on, on the Claudia uh, controversy. We'll say, uh, what do you guys think? What do you, what, what, what's your play on that? I actually enjoyed the way that they told the story in the series, because kind of like what Mike was saying, you can, we, we've seen the child trap before and there's not really much you can expound on with that, especially in a show without getting in trouble. Let's say it like that. But you take this character and you make her prepubescent or pubescent and you stick her in that body forever with those emotions of trying to go from being a teenager to a young woman and having the desires of a maturing young woman and not really being able to deal with that, you know, not just the emotions and the, the maturity level, but also the sexual awakening. How, how do you mature and be grown when you look constantly like a child? I mean, even though that's the 1920s and, you know, that wasn't, something that was they were getting happy. married back right yeah. but still <laughs> right. thinking about it for this day and age True like enough. there's so much there's so much now with um with relationships and age differences that people think about now 
that we didn't think about back then. You know, back when I was in high school, wasn't anything for a 15, 16 year old, you know, sophomore, junior, senior to be dating someone in college because you're all still part of that same peer group for the most part. It was not a big deal. But now something like that is a huge deal. And so to watch her struggle through that and to try to navigate that and not being able to do so, that was so interesting to me because you could feel her frustration. You could feel the tension that she had. And then, of course, her having to be stuck in this body without ever being able to really find love in a proper way. And also having to live in the house with Lestat and, and Louis. Oh man. Would drive my, anyone insane. My two like, dads. I'm stuck in this, <laughs> I'm stuck in this body. I can never find love. And yet I have to hear you guys going at it all the time. That would drive me nuts. So I actually love the way that they put that in the show and made that her struggle. And to have to watch her try to navigate that. You know, she's trying to act out like a you know, there are times when she's acting out like a child, but that there are other times when she's really being manipulative and she's really being smart about how she plays Lestat and how she, you know, how she kind of maneuvers that relationship. I thought it was fascinating to watch. And Bailey Bass was just amazing. Yeah, she was, yeah. she was and, great and, and, as a role. And, and for the record, she's 19. Uh, mm-hmm. She was born in 2003. So she is pl- a teenager playing a teenager. Now, granted, right. there's a few right. years there, but it's not like she's a 30-year-old trying to play a teenager right. that we see on the CW a lot, right? Um, but Dina, what about you? What do you, what are your, what are your take on this? Cause you're familiar with the books and whatnot and how rich of a character that is. Uh, although yeah. I think even Anne Rice was kind of like, damn, I killed her off too, too soon. Cause didn't she come back as a ghost or something throughout? Yes. Like, yeah. She like yeah. haunted Lestat a lot because he was guilty right. of, of how he treated her and stuff like that. Um, but like, I, so it was hard for me to get over the fact that. Um, they upped her age. I understood the reasons they did it. Some of what Hanako said, but also the the laws with working with children. They could not have a child working that um, the time periods, the overnight, and all that stuff. Um, right. But the thing I so I love the 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 story and the nuances of Claudia as a little child. She was five. She's five years old, and she's a killer, and she's going through all these adult feelings in a five year old body. I I I love that. But like you can't put that on TV. That just does not work. Not a five year old. Not like not because she was very adult. Like in the things she would say to Louis, the way she would speak to him, she would talk to them as if they were lovers. Like you can't put that a kid right. doing that. Um, I think the, I, the the movie does it about as well as you could do it. Yeah, right. It. Exactly. It was and she was then. she was eleven. 10 and 11. So she was yeah. even older than the five year old. You know what I mean? Um, I do think, however, making uh, so Bailey Bass is young. She is a teenager, but I don't think she looked young enough to be 14. And so it kind of like her like running off and doing her thing and going to find herself for those years she was away. To me, she didn't pass as a child or young enough to be, you know, this, she looked grown to me. So it was just really kind of hard for me to be like, Oh my God, she's not, she's not safe. Oh my God, go find her. You know, I was like, she's an adult. Let her go do what she wants to do. Um, but I, right. but she did play. She did play. And by the end, she was fantastic. I enjoyed her so much. And, um, so I got over it. <laughs> you had to, because if you didn't, you would have been taken out of the story completely. Yeah. Yeah. And everything. Yeah. As rough as it might be in, during the course of the season, by the end, 
when everything's going down and she's using, like, she's kind of working both of them against each other. And she, you know, she's an active participant in this three way war or relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's holding her own and she's, I think she's fascinating. And like I said, I don't know what the plans are for her, but I, I hope they don't do what the books do and, and kill her off really quickly because, uh, I think that's be a shame. She's such a good character. It'll be very, um, although to they see do what kind what they of do. They do kind of lend, well, we don't know. We don't know. I mean, the, the series takes place, at least the interview part, in sometime in the future, I think, right? I don't uh, think it's present, right? Present. 2016, I think it's supposed oh, to be. Oh, okay. It's 2016. Okay. Yeah. But it is in, in, no, in I think uh, it's a little, I think it's a little bit after that because they actually mentioned the pandemic. Yeah. Oh, oh, right. You know what? Yeah, You're right. right. They do mention the pandemic. So probably 2020, 2021, maybe. Yeah. 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 So, probably. And, and there's a lot we don't know. Like, we don't know, like Mike pointed out, we don't know what has happened to Louis that makes him want to redo this. Uh, Daniel, as uh, the interviewer, has a lot going on with him. I mean, obviously, he's suffering from this disease. It, the easy way out, of course, would be to just join the rest of the vampires. But I don't think he wants to do that. Um, and so we uh, we get all of that dynamic. Um, but I think, to me, the beauty of the show is that because the movie even though we we I've said that you know the Claudia stuff was handled pretty well it still felt especially in the relationship between Louis and Lestat it feels restrained it feels like it really you know it's not cool to like develop these characters the way that Anne Rice does or the way it really should be in the in 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 the in an adaptation and this series uh, I mean, you can't say that it, it holds back in any way, right? No, it doesn't hold it doesn't, back in, no, in it doesn't, relationships. Mike, and that's it the doesn't thing. hold back in the sexuality. It doesn't hold back in the violence yeah. and the gore. Um, I mean, you guys were talking about, you know, horror fans, whatever. There's a lot of gore in this series. There's some yeah. really disturbing images in this series. Um, anything in particular that, that you wanted to point out that was disturbing to you? Like, oh my God, I can't believe that. The the whole fight, or or I like to call it the whooping, the a whooping, because I don't know how y'all feel about cursing. <laughs> I it I it took me. I, I'm still not over that because as horrible as Lestat could be in any iteration, that is something that I feel like I don't think he would have ever done that. Not like that. Like he just, and it was so violent. But it worked for this version of that. I feel like just because he, I don't know, he, 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 it just seemed like something this version of Lestat could do. I just don't think Book Lestat would have done it. You know what I mean? Like it's, mm. I don't know. It just was really hard to watch. And I only watched that episode twice because I just, it was hard. Same. <laughs> Same. <laughs> it was, it was, I, I don't know. There was like, such an animalistic feel to Lestat mm-hmm. during that scene. And it's like, you understand that he's upset, but it's almost like he left his body and there was something else taking its place. And I mean, I had to continuously pause that scene. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe. Okay. Yeah. I got to take a breath. I got to take a breath. It was a hard hard scene to get through but i think it was also one of the most powerful scenes in the series because even after that 
Yes, Louis had his, you know, he went away for a couple of years. They ignored the stat, but you saw the stat was his persistence wore Louis down. And what happened? He goes right back to him. And it was just one of those where it's like, what? That gets but into I what I was mentioning was, earlier about the, the abused victim. Mm-hmm. But also, I think it was to, it, it shows the hold that Lestat had over Louis, even even in the times when Louis is in the interview talking about how much he wanted to leave him and, you know, how much he was done with him. But he as as he told Daniel, he was like, stop asking so many direct questions. Let the story seduce you as I was seduced. And you no, really good feel God, it good line after too, yeah. that. But I loved how Daniel got ca- called him on, on, on some of Louis' yep. BS too. Yep. And everything, which well, yeah, was I really mean, awesome. Louis is portraying this as an abusive relationship, and to a large extent it is. Um, but there's something about the series and the way that the relationship is de- depicted that I – we see that for sure, but I don't – you know, that, that part of that, that second book where Lestat's telling his side of the story bleeds into this telling because I don't think we are completely hating Lestat all the time. Like we understand and I don't, is he redeemable? Do you think? That's a good question. I think by the seventh episode when they're like, um, before everything goes down and they're on the balcony. I think you can really see just how much of a heart that he really does have because he knows what's going to happen. We find out later and he's still looking at Louis, like how much he loves him and how much, you know, he just really wanted this to work. And obviously Louis looking at him the same, like, I just wish this would have worked out. So I do think he's redeemable. Um, I just think that, the way that they kind of like put him in, in his place and made him put all the rules on him and just kind of like shoved him in a box and you got to do this and you got to do that. I don't think that's the way you, you get him to, to be a better person, you know, or a better vampire. Um, no, the way I, they did, I, I think they made agree. it worse. Them putting all the rules on him made it even worse. Cause you know, he yeah. was going to explode. But it was also interesting because he was plotting against them and Claudia was seeing right through it and being able to, you know, because he had turned the singer into a vampire behind their backs. And, you know, Claudia found out, you know, saw through that even. And it was neat how they were showing the different scenes and each one of them spying on the other. And yeah. That was it, just, that, it although was that's interesting because even though Claudia sees that and reports back to Louis and everything, although she doesn't tell him everything, she's only seeing one side of it too. And I don't think she realizes that, yeah, Lestat's doing some pretty bad things, but where he's coming from and why he's doing them, I don't, she's, she's wrong about it. like, he's not just being evil to be evil. Right. I mean, he, He's insecure. He needs somebody. He loves Louis. He doesn't want to lose him. He's scared he's going to lose him. He's doing a lot of these things for out of that. Now, that's not ex- excusing his actions, but his reasons are not what they think. They think they just that he just likes torturing them, right? And like being yeah. in control, which yeah. he kind of does. But I mean, then we find out a little bit about his, the person who sired him a little bit. Well, he's mentioned. Mm-hmm. So I imagine that's going to be... um uh, that's going to come up as well. Um, all right. So, uh, man, I knew this was going to go fast. Um, what do we want to see in season two? 
Like this is the the setup for season one. I think I think we all agree was amazing what they've done here. Uh, of course, you know those of us who read the books kind of have an idea of what's going to happen in season two, but not really. Um, but uh, so uh, I know, go since you haven't read the book, what is there, what do you want to see out of season two? I need to know more about Armand. Oh, here we go. Nice mention Armand. And it came out of left field because I kept saying there's something about him, but I don't think I ever put it together that that's who he was supposed to be. And then when he revealed it, I was like, duh. So now we get this at the end and, you know, you get Louis introducing to Daniel, me, Armand, the love of my life. I was like, oh, I need to hear more about this story. And I need to know what Lestat is going to say about it. Because, of course, Lestat isn't dead, even though they killed him. Like, Louis purposefully left him in such a way that he could be revived. So it's kind of... Well, we know he's not coming. We know he's coming back. Yeah. So it's like, again, the whole contradiction. Like, Louis went through all of these paces to kill Lestat. And then in the end... You left him in a in such a way that you knew he would be able to survive. And so I it's love like how Eric called how how Daniel called him on that. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. um, hello, even could you see through this? Right, that was awesome. So was, I I want to know more about Armand, and I want to know how Lestat is going to fit into this story. I think, I am glad we got Armand in there. That's yeah. awesome. That's, that's <laughs> uh, Dina, what about you? Yeah, so actually, I would like to see because they um they go to the theater vampire. I can never ah, say it right yes. theater the vampire, uh, and and all that stuff in Paris. They go to so France. They do, <laughs> 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 they do end up, you know, meeting Armand for the first time and all the things that go along with that and that trigger the things with Claudia. So I'm looking forward to that. But I hope what they do is combine like they kind of have been vampire Lestat with that, so we can see mm-hmm. both sides of that situation because um, just seeing it from Louise um, point of view is fine, but I like when they add that Lestat, you know, was, was intermingled in that whole situation. It changes the dynamic of the story. And I hope they do that. I really do. Um, but uh, yeah, that's probably the the biggest thing. Like I want to see the kind of like a, cause I mean, otherwise he won't be in a story, right? Like he won't even be there because he's yeah, not with them. In the book, you know. it's a surprise when Lestat comes back um, and sees them, um, and then we get sort of his explanation of what happened. Do you think that maybe in season two we can see his progress as it's happening, so it's not a surprise to us right. that he's back? Right. That, I think that that's yeah, yeah. That's what I'm. That's what I'm hoping, so that we can see everything because he, when Louis does see him there, he only sees one portion of the story. He doesn't know what's going on, why he's there, none of that. So. I hope they do it from, like I said, from the point of view of, of Lestat, why he was there, what really happened, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, instead of just trying to make it book by book every two seasons, just go ahead and mix it together. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'll be very curious uh, Mike, to see where Mike, they go I, with it. You, yeah, I'm going to be very curious because I'm being, you know, have read this book multiple times. I know that, you know, after, you know, what they did to, you know, Lestat, Claudia and Louis go off and try to find the old vampires to see, cause, you know, she, ba- they basically go to the old country and everything. Cause 
it was interesting with the whole thing with Claudia and her meeting um, the other vampire and who did some very nasty things to her. And it was, it'll be very interesting to see because they don't meet some very nice vampires when they first go to Europe. And right. That would be cool to see some of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're very beastie. They're very what Like uh, the original vampires they did in the early 1900s. They're not mm-hmm. civilized. Exactly. They're not civilized ones. They're more like the Nosferatu. In my head, I always feel like they're more Nosferatu. Well, that's what uh, I pictured vampires. it when I read the books and everything. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's what they ran into. And so I would like to see some of that. And then them finally getting to the theater and meeting Armand and meeting, you know, the rest of the troupe. And, you know, them going through and finding out how they live with, you know, and the humans are paying to see them, you know, to perform and everything like that. And Mm -hmm. it's going to be very, and like you said, I would like to see Lestat tied a little bit more because the actor is too good to be missing from the next season. Right. He was phenomenal. Yeah, he was. Phenomenal. And so I definitely want to see what happens with that. And go then going forward, you know, because then are they going to, is it going to be after that? Are they going to do like you had mentioned, uh, Dina, that, you know, is the third season then going to be, you know, in Vampire Lestat and, you know, going forward and then tell, and then Queen of the Damned and then Tales of the Body Thief and then wherever they decide to go from there. Because I stopped reading after Tales of the Body. It, <laughs> yeah, that's what I did too. I'm still stuck on them, not the devil. I just can't get through it. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Because it, it almost um, felt like the vampires became a superhero team after that. <laughs> like, we're, we're, yeah, exactly. Regarding with the uh, continuation of the, the AMC sort of Anne Rice, what the universe are they calling it? The Dark Universe? Immortal or something Universe. Like that? Immortal, Immortal Universe, universe yeah. Mm-hmm. They have so the we've had right we've had a premiere of Mayfair Witches. Have yeah. either of you checked out that yet? I've watched yeah. both episodes. Um I think okay. the second I have, episode released last week. So I have not seen it yet. I did not read those books. I know nothing about that sort of uh side of Anne Rice's universe. Um what what real quick, overall, what were your thoughts on that? Um, well, I good? actually, uh, I, I think it's pretty good. I feel like if you, if you have not read the books, it's definitely a, an eye catcher. It's definitely going to catch your interest. Um, I've only read half of the first book because I'm I'm still getting through it. Um, and I'm already mad at some of the changes. So I did that to myself. I did that to myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if I had just watched it just by itself without trying to read the book, um, I think it's pretty good. Okay. Yeah, um, the first episode was interesting enough to keep my attention. I'm not very sold on Alexandra Dario yet, the Dario yet. Um, the second episode was a little bit better. The pacing moved along a little bit faster and I kind of liked her better in this. So, um, I'll give it a cu- another couple of episodes just to see how I like her, but I'm very interested in the story so far. Um, the second mm-hmm. episode really kind of pulled me in a little bit more. Let me just ask you this in the, in, you know, in the spoilers, um, is there anything in that series that remotely thinks uh, you think ties into the vampire series? Oh yeah. If they, yeah? um, 
if they do what I think they're going to do, um, Storyville might be a, a, a connection since that's where Louis kind of started out in the, in the show. And that actually may have been where they got story, you know, to use Storyville from uh, Mayford witches. So that, that might be a, so we'll see what they do in the show though. Cause who knows? They might not even talk. <laughs> Well, we do know that we are getting uh, an eight-episode second season, um, and uh, it's going. We don't know when it's going to premiere. So, like, you know, who knows when it's going to premiere? Um, hopefully, this year, but we don't know. Uh, it could be next year. It'll yeah, probably be next year. These shows yeah. and these long hiatuses, but I mean, I ca- I kind of understand it because a lot of them don't start filming until they get a definite we're being renewed because what we've been mm-hmm. seeing the last couple of weeks in media, even the shows that have been announced as renewed, they're getting canceled now because of network mm-hmm. changes, ownership changes, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would, if we got anything in 2023, I would be really surprised. Yeah. I don't know. I know that Anne Rice also, I think had a, a mummy Egyptian mummy series too. So I don't know if that's going to be in, included in this as well. So it'd be really interesting to see, but I'm definitely down for season two of interview with the vampire. And hopefully we can have you both back when that finally does air to talk all about that and see how we feel, still feel about the series. So Absolutely. Uh, thank you guys so much. Uh, we're going to be right back and then we're going to get ready to close out the show. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about all the new shows and movies that I'm super excited for, and maybe a few that I'm not. There are so many new shows and movies coming out, and I am so pumped. Black Panther will be on Disney Plus starting at the beginning of February, so if you didn't get to see it in the theaters, you'll finally get to watch it. Ant-Man Quantumania will be out in theaters February 17th, so whether you watch at home or in the theater, you'll still be able to get your Marvel fix. March 1st, we get the third season of The Mandalorian. I am so excited for this. If you have not seen the extended trailer, you should totally go watch it. It is so, so good. I am really, really excited for this season. Ahsoka will air at the end of March, which also has me incredibly excited because of all the rumors of the characters that we're going to get in it. Like, I I am ready for some live-action Rebels characters. Bad Batch Season 2 is also now airing on Disney+, and it had a really fun start to the second season. There's only a couple episodes out, and I'm really excited to see what they do with these characters, since it's such a unique group of characters and clones. The Last of Us has had its first episode drop, and I am so excited for this show. Every time I saw the commercial for it, I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited for this show. And the first episode was amazing. It was so good. And I can't wait to see the rest of it and what we're going to get in store because it was so beautiful and so well made. And Pedro Pascal did so good as Joel in the first episode. I can't wait to see where he takes us. The Mayfair Witches is now on AMC and AMC Plus. And it's only a couple episodes in, but so far it's been a really interesting watch. They do delve from the books a little bit, but I'm really excited to see where the show takes us. And then we have the new Velma show. I watched the first two episodes, and I'll be honest, I wasn't a fan of the first episode. There were a few moments that I thought were funny in it, 
Singing Pony at the Funeral did make me laugh. But the episode just wasn't good in my opinion. The animation, don't get me wrong, the animation was beautiful. But I felt like the creators wanted to make a Riverdale show, but were told they had to do it in the Scooby-Doo universe instead. The second episode wasn't as bad, and I will give it a chance to see if it catches its stride, but so far the characters are really, really unlikable. The only one that seemed to not be an awful person was Norval, and we didn't get a ton of him, but he was the only character in the show that I didn't hate. Thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. Howdy! Listen up. I am talking. Now, the question of the hour is, who's got a Doctor Who podcast? Answer. We do. Next question. Who's listening to it? Answer. You are. If you're sitting up there in your silly little spaceship and you've got any plans to listen to a Doctor Who podcast, just remember who's standing in your way. And then, do the smart thing. Listen to Earth Station Who right here on the ESO That's going to be another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening and joining us tonight. This has been a ton of fun. Dina, thank you so, so much. Anything you want to promote or shout out about? Um, yeah, just uh, just Google Drunken Blurdy, and it's uh, Blurdy, B-L-E-R-D-Y, Black and Nerdy. That's me, Drunken Blurdy. <laughs> All right. You, you were awesome. Thank you. And were, you were you sober throughout this whole thing? I was no I wasn't no I wasn't sure if you guys mind if I if I was drinking <laughs> so I just had water. <laughs> well, well next time we'll have to drink. like we'll have to like drink up. Oh, exactly. It's not like when we do the Dragon Con report and we mispronounce names and stuff and oh. every time you do that you have to take a shot. So oh, Yeah, that one that one is uh, almost it's a requirement. So Yes, exactly. <laughs> Hanico, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. You've been awesome. Thank you for having me. Anything you want to promote or shout out about? Sure. You can find me on the Phantom Hybrid podcast uh, at www.phantomhybrid.com. We are on all of the podcast streaming platforms. We also have, have a YouTube channel where you can watch the video version of our audio. Just look for Phantom Hybrid podcast on YouTube. Um, yeah. And find me on all social medias at Phantom Hybrid. Awesome. And we will be linking to all that for both of you guys, you know, in our show notes and everything. So people listen to these wonderful ladies. They're awesome. Thank you. Thank Absolutely. you. Thank you. And Mr. Mike, we've made it through another one, my friend. We did. And as always, it's my pleasure. Anything you want to t- shout out about, sir? I do. Uh, our good friend, uh, Justin Gray, who uh, is a writer and publisher of self, uh, self publisher of comics has a new Kickstarter with a new comic uh, happening. It is called hope. And it is a sci-fi horror neo-Western comic uh, with art by Branko Djokovic. Uh, I think I'm pronouncing that right. I hope so. Um, anyway, Drink. it's a neo. It is yeah, exactly. It's a neo-Western. Um, it's by Justin Gray. It's called Hope, but do not mistake uh, the the title. I mean, it looks like there's still like edgy uh, graphic violence depicted in this series. It looks uh, grim. Uh, so it'll be really interesting to see what uh, 
what the whole story is about, I'm already signed up for the Kickstarter, and I recommend you guys do too. We'll have a link in the show notes uh, so you can check it out. That is awesome. Awesome. Justin does some great, great work, folks. Check every time. Out. Every yeah, time. He does. He does some amazing work. All right. My shout out real quick. Um, it's award season, and I wanted to congratulate our friend Weird Al Yankovic. He actually, his project Weird actually won two Critics' Choice Awards. Daniel Radcliffe actually won Best Actor in a limited series or TV movie. And so Weird actually won Critics' Choice winner for the best movie made for television. So Woo-hoo. congratulations, Mr. Yankovic. See? He's not it's called, a fun movie. It is a fun movie. I just actually watched it with a friend the other day who <laughs> hadn't seen it. And it was like... And she, and she was like, is that Harry Potter? It's like, yes, yes it is. <laughs> no, no, it's Weird Al. What are you talking about? Exactly. <laughs> uh, and, and of course, she said to me, I didn't know his father was the basis for Amish Paradise. It's like, really? Really? So, no. Everything is true in the document. It's a documentary. Really. Of course, it's true. He was the real, real, the real Weird Al was actually killed back in '87. So, you know, absolutely. Rest all, in peace. Rest in peace, Weird Al Yankovic. So, it's just a, it's an imposter. Like the, there's an imposter, Paul McCartney. You know, so yeah, it's it's always true. So, so thank you guys for joining us. We do appreciate you. Join us next week when we are going to be talking all about science. That's right, folks. Science. That's right. We are looking at science in 2023. What do we have going on and such? And so our science geeks are joining us again for next week's episode. It should be a ton of fun. And we just, you know, it's always great to be able to talk about science. And it's, you know, a neat a lot thing. happening. Oh, there is a ton happening. And thank you, everyone who's been subscribing to our channel up on YouTube. I know it's still brand new and we're got to start promoting it more and more and more. So definitely check us out, our station one on YouTube. Definitely like and share, like and share, like and share. Exactly. And thank you, Ashley's dad, for leaving us more feedback. We do appreciate (laughs) it. So it, it is always awesome. And, you know, he left us some feedback for us over on talking on us about the episode we did on Wednesday. So it was a lot of fun when we reviewed that. It's always fun when we can talk a little bit of Adams and have Ashley with us. And thank you, Ashley's dad, for actually telling her to uh, actually, you know, watch the show so she was able to be on it with us. So it's always cool with that. So definitely, folks, definitely would love to hear from you guys. As always, please leave feedback at feedback at earthstation1.com. And we couldn't do this without you. Remember, Earthstation 1 can be found wherever fine podcasts are found. We're even up there. So it's pretty cool. You know, we are there Earth, too. We are there too with the best of them. Now, Earthstation 1 could also be found in video format, like we mentioned, up on YouTube. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about us. On behalf of myself, Mike Faber, Mr. Mike Gordon, Dina, and Hanico, thank you so, so much. I appreciate you all for joining us. Thank you, everyone, for watching and for listening. We'll see you here next time on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we will see you soon. And we are done. Bye. Bye. We miss you already. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. 
or Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.